Well, good morning. I am really excited to be beginning this new series called Built to Last. We're excited that you're here, that you made time to, to come out this morning. And we are going to be looking over the next six weeks about this idea of uh, there's a longing that we have for, for something that lasts forever. And there's a longing in all of our hearts for that. And, it's, it's, and I want to explain why that is as we, as we walk through this. Having something that, that really lasts, it's important to us. And so marketing companies even know this about us. And so they market to the, the side that appeals to uh, us when we think we're purchasing something that has a lifetime guarantee. And so you know, they try to sell us on a product's quality. They try to sell you with this sticker. It's got a lifetime warranty. It's gonna, you know, and if it breaks, you can get a new one. As long as you keep your receipt, you can get a new one, right? That's the thing they don't tell you. Like, keep this receipt, you know. And, but, you know, oftentimes for me, it's the lifetime warranty that's the deciding factor on whether or not I buy this product or that product. You know, I'm just, I'm sorting through, how long is this thing supposed to last? Can I get another one if it breaks? I mean, I, I clearly know on most of the things I buy, it's not going to last my lifetime, but maybe I can get another one, you know. And truck companies, they make these kinds of lifetime promises. And so here's a slogan from Ford. Ford's built tough, right? What does Chevy say? Chevy's what? Like a rock, right? So there's this competing, you know, because they're both trying to work this same angle of, hey, this, this thing is going to last. It's tough. It's, it's like a rock. It's going to be there for a long, long time. Business, you know, if you're a business person, maybe you've read this book, Built to Last by Jim Collins. What he does in this book is he's, he's examining this issue. Of what, what makes a company survive and thrive? And so he studies companies that last versus those that just... Uh, you know, fail. And he studies the factors that, that lead to companies that fail. And so, you know, this is a concern. I want to work for a place that's going to last. I want to be a part of a company that's going to last. I, I like to, you know, for us in, in our careers, we're, we're thinking through this issue of investing in things that are, that are, that, that have some shelf life, you know? Also in our own personal lives, we hope for, you know, a long life. So there's magazines like this, Longevity, where, you know, it gives tips and articles on, on aging and overall health and how, how do you just treat your body right. You know, we, we hate aging in our culture. We don't like to age. It's, and it's, I mean, it's painful. <laughs> it's discouraging. It's, it's limiting. I know many of you, are, you're young and you're, this is not a factor in your mind. You're like, what's he talking about? He's getting old. I'm not, you know. You know, we feel more limited, and so we'll try anything to prevent aging. Look at this ad. Look at that promise. Aging is a curable disease. You know, so she's holding up a cookbook, and it says, if you can see it closely, it says, Longevity Cookbook. And I'm sure there's probably some healthy, good recipes, but I've got a problem with her claim, okay? She's probably not the one that came up with that, but, so, not going to... You know, be mad at her. But I've got a problem with this claim because despite all the lifetime guarantees or the products or the focus on extending the years of my life, the truth is this, that everything and everyone breaks down. And all of us, we're breaking down over time. And eventually it leads us to wrestle with some questions. Here's one of them. What happens to us when we take our last, our last breath? Well, what's that going to be like? What, what is next? 
So here's kind of the main goal for our series is this. How does eternity impact the here and now? That's what we're going to look at over the next six weeks. How does eternity and having a perspective towards eternity impact your life and my life here and now? We may not talk about it very much with others, but each of us has thought about these kinds of questions. And really, our lives reveal our views on this issue of, of forever. Some people believe this. Some people believe, hey, YOLO, you, you just you only live once and so... You've got to get the most out of this life. And if you don't, you missed out. So if there's nothing after death, if this is a thought that there's really nothing left, if you don't believe you know, in a God and in, in, in heaven and eternity with Him, then if there's really nothing after death, then you may as well get as, most, as much as you can out of this life here and now. A lot of people live their lives this way. No restraint. And there's some people that probably set their own boundaries on, on what... The YOLO life can look like, but this certainly leads a lot of uh, a lot of people. Another belief, and really the opposite of, of YOLO, is actually you do live again. You know, there's you know some people believe in reincarnation that you live your life. There's death, and then you know you get something. There's something else, and then you're re, you know you're reborn as as you know in the next. You, know, you can live again in this life. You can live again. The quality of that next life, for those who believe in reincarnation, depends upon how good or how bad you've been. And so there's that view. Okay? And that influences people's thinking, certainly. Others take the Bible's view of the final destination of people. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible is very clear that people last forever in one of two places. Heaven or hell. And so you either live with God in heaven, and we'll describe what heaven is like, through what He has revealed, through what God has revealed to us through the, through the pages of Scripture. So we're going to be describing that throughout this whole series. What is heaven going to be like and how does that impact us? So you either live with forever in heaven in mind or you live separated from God forever in hell. Hell is a real place, not just an imaginary thought like, well, that's just that's what happens, you know, it's a bad place or it's just a, it's, it's figurative speech. Not actually the Bible, it talks very descriptively about this place called hell. There's, there's very specific, I wanna, there's just a few things, I'm not gonna put them on the screen, but just to summarize some of the things that we'll look at over this series. The book of Matthew describes hell as a furnace of fire, eternal fire, eternal punishment, a place where there will be weeping and torment, a place where you know, it's the final destination of those who reject Christ on this earth, of, of those who decide to be the boss of their own life and to continue down the course of just living for themselves. The book of Romans describes it as a, as a place where the full wrath of God is experienced. That's a very serious thing to get your mind around. The full wrath of God. You know, oh, that was the wrath of God. Oh, that, that might have been the wrath of God. No, this is the full, total wrath of God experienced in that place. Second Thessalonians says that in hell there is everlasting separation from the Lord. So that's there's no there's no hope for release from that. There's no renegotiating in hell. There's no you know phone a friend at that point. There is eternal separation from you know from God. The book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, it, it calls hell a bottomless Pit, it says, meaning there's, there's enough room, okay? Continuous torment. It's the lake of fire. It's a place for the devil. It's a place for his demons. 
and it's an unquenchable fire. So it describes the fact it's a place where there's burning and the worm is burning, but it does not like burn up. It doesn't cease from burning. There's no hint anywhere in the pages of the Bible of the termination of suffering for those in hell. The doom, what that means is the doom in hell is, is unending suffering. And, and there's books and people that say, no, it's, it's more like, you know, there's, there's some that would teach that, that after a period of suffering in hell, a person just eventually burns up. Like, you know, something would, you know, you put it in a fire, it burns up. The picture in, in the pages of Scripture is, is, not, is not that. There's no, nothing in Scripture that, that points towards this termination point in hell. It just goes on and on and on for all eternity. And so, the Bible teaches that where you spend eternity is based on the decisions you make in this life. So, going to heaven is based on the decisions that you make, you know, that prepare you to get to heaven. Going to hell is based on the decision you make to reject God's offer and gift. And so we're going to look at that throughout this entire series. And no matter what your view is on these things, uh, what I hope is that you would have a more clear understanding of what the Bible teaches on our final destination because the implications of eternity affect how you build your life here and now. And so throughout the series, we're going to just wrestle with some of the implications of heaven passages and, and hell passages to really you know, get some key insights that we would be able to understand how to live life on earth through the lens of eternity. The fact that we're going to be spending forever someplace. Okay? This morning I want to go to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. And so, you could, if you brought a Bible, you can flip there. We'll have verses up here on the screen as well. But we're going to look at one of those passages of Scripture. And this is from Second Corinthians. It's, it's one of Paul's letters to a Greek, to a church in a Greek city. The church of Corinth, it was known for its diversity. It was known for its wealth, very wealthy city. It was also known for its immorality. A lot of the, the, you know, the Roman cities, the Greek and Roman cities, this was a Greek city, but a lot of the cities were, were, um, immoral cities. And so, Corinth was one of them. It wasn't the only one, but it, it, it's got some notables as far as their immorality. And so they were, they were, uh, very, very different than, so the Christians living in this city lived very different lives, and they were challenged to live very different lives than the culture around them. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 10. This is our, this is kind of passage I want to look at today. Here's Paul's overarching summary. It's this. This is the top of your listening guide. This life is preparation for forever. It's this life. There's really, a, it's not disconnected. This life is not disconnected from eternity. The choices you make, the way you handle life here, the way you handle your relationships, your money, the, this life is, there's this continuation factor of what's going to go on there. And so I want to really walk through this. Paul wrote this letter to a church to the church in Corinth and he, he's using this to encourage the church to keep an eternal perspective as they live their life here and now with the pressures that they're facing and so we can read this and realize we face pressure as well and, and we can glean a lot from this towards our own perspective so let's look at this uh, verse 1 through 10 I'm going to read through verses 1 through 10 and then we'll go back through it it says Paul begins and he says for we know that if the tent that is, our earthly home is destroyed. We have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So he starts with this picture of the tent 
And he says, you know, we have a tent. He's referring to our physical body. This, this shell, this, this is a tent, he's saying. Now, coincidentally, Paul was a tent maker. This was his trade. He was a tent maker. And so he's just running with this metaphor of the tent, okay? And he's going to work this metaphor through this passage. He says, this, this shell, this, this tent, that is our earthly home is destroyed. Meaning, in other words, this body, eventually we're going to die. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Verse 2 says, For in this tent, again this body, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed, by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So, we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Verse 9, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So let's break this down a little bit. First thing we see here is, is a longing for eternity. Okay, We long for eternity. We long, again, for forever. For things that last forever. There's this longing inside of us that wants something that will last. God put that desire in our hearts. The scripture actually says He's put eternity in the hearts of men. There's this longing. There's, there's got to be more. So that's why we search and wrestle with issues of purpose and meaning. That's why when someone talks about things that last and you want to give your lives to things that will last, that, that resonates with us because God actually put that stamp on us when He made us. He put eternity in the hearts of men. But verse 1, For we know that if this tent that is our earthly home, He says, is destroyed, we have a building from God. It's a house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven. Paul's confidence influences everything. So he starts with, we know. He's got this confident statement he, he launches with. We know that when we die, we, we have a home that awaits us. He's saying, this world is not the end. This, this body that's breaking down is only temporary. We, we will have a resurrected, heavenly body. It's eternal in the heavens. And unlike, unlike anything else, we know in this life that is breaking down our new body and our new home, he says, it's eternal. And so when we leave this body, meaning when we die, and we enter into heaven, we obtain a new body which is far better. And that's, that affects us here and now. Understanding that affects today. Because if we're all about getting the most out of life here and now, because we, you know, we think this is all there is. That, 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 we could put all sorts of time and resources into that. Into repairing everything, into just trying to cure the disease of aging. But this perspective helps us work through some of the things we wrestle with. Now look at verse 2. For in this tent, he says, we groan. In this shell, man, we, we, we long for something. Longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. We long for that new body, he's saying. If indeed, by putting it on, we, we may not be found naked. When we die, we again, we shed this old body, Paul's saying, and we put on a heavenly body. We don't, we don't just live forever as disembodied spirits. Paul taught this because the Greeks taught that, that once you die, there's this, you have a, your spirit just detaches, we become disembodied spirits, and so Paul wanted to teach 
to kind of set the record straight about this is what this is what really happens. And in other places, he refers to the new body as as the as the glorified heavenly body. It's the body that will live in forever. And, and I want you to jot down First Corinthians fifteen, chapter thirty five through fifty five. First Corinthians fifteen verses thirty five through fifty five. Twenty verses in the in the in the letter um, before Second Corinthians. So the first letter that that we have to this church, Paul talks about this issue of. What is the resurrected body going to be like? And we may look again at this passage later, but just to really quickly summarize, that section of Scripture talks about that the fact that our heavenly body will be the same body. Okay, It'll be a new body, but it's, it's like a new version of the same body. So it's like a new you. It's a new me. There's not this idea that you go to heaven, all of a sudden, you become a brand new person with no connection to who you were. No, this is still some way you, but the new you. And what begins to flesh this out is Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. So you can jot that down as well. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, Paul talks about this transformation in that new body. So it's, it's the same body but it's, it's, being, it's been transformed in heaven. And so, understanding that is, is going to help us as, as we move forward. He's not talking about um, something completely different. Okay, It's the same body, but it's a transformed body. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, For while we are still in this, in this tent, meaning in this body, on this earth, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed. Okay, He, he says there's this groaning. There's this longing for for the new you. You know, there's this longing for heaven and a new transformed body. Now, do you groan for that? Do you ever do you ever have those days where heaven sounds really really good? And you're just like, "Man, I just I see some smiles and I see some nods." And some some days I I think that I'm like, "I just cannot wait to go to heaven." I I I just long to be free from some things. And so Paul talks about while we're in this tent, this body, we groan. There's this longing. And if you have the right understanding, then you have that, that longing, that groaning for heaven here and now. If you don't have the longing or don't have the groaning, it could be for a couple of reasons. One of those reasons is it could be that you may have an inaccurate picture of what heaven is like. And so you're like, why would I want to go there? I, that's not what I'm interested in. If you think that heaven is just one big musical with trumpets and the hallelujah chorus, and you're like, I hate musicals. <laughs> I'm not, I, I would never want to go watch a musical. I'm not a Broadway person. I'm a, I'm a book person. I'm a project person. I'm an athlete. I'm a this, I'm a that. And so if, if the description in your mind of heaven is, is not appealing to you, then there's probably not much, as Paul would say, groaning to go there or longing to go there. But again, that you know, there are some things related to music and 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 praise, but that's not the full picture of heaven. That's not all that there is. So part of this series is we want to craft a more accurate picture of heaven so we know how to live here and now. Another reason for not having a longing or not having a groaning may may just be that you flat out don't believe it. You just believe this life is all that there really is. So maybe your worldview that you have adopted, just, it, 
there's no groaning for leaving this body because this is it. So he goes on, he writes in verse 4, For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He just keeps describing this desire that he has to be with Christ in his immortal, imperishable body in his new home. He describes heaven, you know, or heaven is really described as a place where there's this, it's, it's not a downer, it's, it's the most desirable place. As, as we look through these passages, you'll see more of that. And that's why he says, hey, I groan for that. I want that. Heaven will be the best of earth, only better. So the best of earth, only better. So many things we'll experience in heaven for the first time. There'll be things you explore, things you see, things you experience that, that we'll just, we'll have no category for. But then there'll be seeing, there'll be some similarities, but then the, the best possible of those experiences. And so it's God's original design, minus everything that's been marred and tainted by sin and all its effects. So can you even imagine what that would be like? Can you imagine what it would be like to experience life without sin? Without being able to sin? I mean, we could burst into the Hallelujah Chorus right now. I mean, that, think about it. Just, you not being able to sin against someone else, them not being able to sin against you. I mean, think about how, how, how amazing that would be to just get it right in life. To, to live holy and righteous all the time. To, can you imagine what it would be like to, to have life without sorrow? Many of you have lost people who are precious to you and you miss them. Can you imagine being in a place where there's no sorrow, no death, no dying, no walking through that process with people? Can you imagine relationships without struggle? Or responsibilities without toil? Get your mind around that. Like having responsibilities but it not being toil. Toilsome. Adventure, exploration, awe. Heaven is, is not disconnected from life here on earth. So... You know, we need to start, we, we want to make the connections that help us understand why it matters in, in the present to keep our, to keep thinking about where we're heading. Keep longing for where we're heading. Look at this next point. This is not the final destination. Paul, he, he makes this clear. Earth is not the final destination. And so he says in verse 5, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Okay, God's preparing people to spend eternity with Him. And what He does is, for those who turn their lives over to Him and yield, become Christ followers, He puts His Spirit in them. And it says here, Paul says, the Spirit of God living in you is like a guarantee of your inheritance. It's a guarantee. The Holy Spirit connects Christ followers to heaven, but here and now. And so what that does, it gives us courage to live the, the life. gives us help to face life knowing that God is helping us right now. He's with us right now. Verse 6 says this, So, we are always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We have to take a position of faith here and now. So verse 7, he says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. The fact that I want to be in heaven with Him and in this new transformed body makes it, it forces me to be courageous and live courageous now. Just realizing this is going to be a faith walk. It's not all going to come together in this life. Paul says, i got to live with courage. And then verse 8, yes, he says, we're of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So, if any of us start looking for heaven here on earth, man, you, you just never find it. If, you get, if you're hoping life is just going to be that experience of heaven, you're not going to get it. You'll be disappointed. And so, this life is a faith walk for us. 
We can communicate with God through prayer. We can get into His Word and understand His ways. We can line up our lives with His ways. We can come to church. We can praise Him. We can praise Him at home on our own. We can, we can experience fellowship and, and communion, connection to God. But still, while we're on earth, there is this sense that here and now, I'm still somewhat separated from the Lord that I long to be with. So we have to wrestle with that, that tension of, it's not yet. And yet, Paul, the way he describes it is just, he's got this upbeat endurance and courage to just keep going and pressing on, being faithful. Look at, look at this next point. Well, really, what it means is what we do matters in the here and now. Verses 9 and 10 capture this. What we do matters in the here and now. Verse 9 and 10 says, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. Verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This verse is very helpful. We're going to come back to it throughout this series. But on that day, Christ's followers will be judged and rewarded for the deeds and the motives that really pleased and glorified God. If you're a Christ follower, you will be, you, your life will still be judged. You're like, well, wait, wait, I, I thought I escaped that somehow because I'm in Christ. Well, you escape the penalty of your sin. However, we still, we still stand before our judge and we'll give an account for the life that we lived here and now. Now that's a sobering thought. That my deeds and my motives will be examined in that day. And so since, and here's the heart of the series, since we'll be evaluated, that needs to shape how we live our lives. Because we will be evaluated by, by our Lord. He will judge our lives, our deeds, our motives. So my relationships, my money, my handling of my decisions, the way I deal with pain, you know, our view of heaven matters. And so, and this is true. Only a relationship with Jesus prepares us for heaven. That's what the Bible teaches. It's only through Christ that we can enter. We live in a broken world. Our, our life on earth won't fully come together, but we can have hope. And there's a way out of the brokenness. And like Paul in verse, in verse 6, Paul said, hey, we're of good courage. Let me, let me show you how to get there. I showed this video a couple of, uh, maybe a couple months back. But I want to take a look one more time at this brief video. It's a short video that explains how do we get out of the brokenness. So let's, let's watch this together. So we live in this world and it's characterized by brokenness. We don't have to look very hard to see there are things like disease, disasters, wars. There's a lot of pain in this world. But this is not God's original design. God has a perfect design. And the way that we have gotten ourselves into brokenness is through something that the Bible calls sin. Sin is turning away from God's design and pursuing our own way. And that leads us to brokenness. Brokenness eventually leads us to death. And this death will separate us from God forever. But God doesn't want us to stay in brokenness. So He's made a way out. And that way is Jesus. Jesus comes and He enters into our brokenness. And the death that we deserve for pursuing brokenness, Jesus takes our place and dies on a cross. And His body is broken for us. And three days after He dies, He rose from the dead. And He made a way out of brokenness. 
And people try many things to get out of brokenness. Things like religion. Things like success or relationships. Education or drugs and alcohol. But none of these things can get us out of brokenness. The only way out is Jesus. And if we turn from our sin and believe that Jesus died for us and rose from the dead, we can leave brokenness and grow in a relationship with God and pursue His design. And more than that, we can go. We can be sent, just like Jesus, back into brokenness to help others come through Him to pursue God's design. Now, there's two types of people in the world. There are people that are pursuing God's design, and there's people that are still in brokenness. We have to ask ourselves, where are we? So, where do you think you are? You know, that that summarizes very well what God has done. Jesus Christ, through His death and through His resurrection, made a way out of the brokenness if we choose to put our trust in Him, if we choose to put our hope in Him. And through Him, the promise is that one day we can experience what God designed, what He what He intended for us to experience before sin entered the world. So our perspective here and now needs to just be continually informed by a view, an accurate view of heaven. So Paul writes this, Colossians 3, verse 1 through 4. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, okay, these, meaning if, if you are a Christ follower, then you've been raised with Christ to a new life. He says, Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. If our view is that there's no heaven, or it's going to all, you know, or that it's, heaven's not going to be all that great, then again, what's the point of longing for it? Or if we try to experience heaven on earth, then we're just going to have an extremely frustrating life. Because the fulfillment that we're searching for in this life, you know, it's just going to leave us empty. It's going to leave us unfulfilled. And I just want to encourage you to keep seeking the things above. Seek the things above. Live with an eternal mindset. Whether you're a student, whether you're a parent, whether you're in your midlife, whether you're near the end of your life, whether you're sorting out what you believe, keep seeking the things above. Eternity with God in heaven will be relationships without all the tension, responsibilities without the, without the toil, you know, that's the picture that God gives us in the Bible. And I want that. That's what I want. And I want as many people possible as possible to experience that as well. And so, that's why we're doing this series. That's why we exist as a congregation. And so, here's where we're heading in this series. How does heaven impact my relationships? How does heaven impact... And we're going to look at key passages where there is this connection point to these different areas. But they're also describing heaven. So, my relationships, my decisions, my mission in life, my, my resource, my finance, my pain. How does heaven impact all of these things? My prayer for you is that we would keep together the right view of heaven. Just keeping that in front of us so that it motivates us to have the most purposeful life here and now. Here's some next steps to consider taking. The first is just to make an eternal choice to begin a relationship with Jesus. Like that video was communicating... Here's the way out of the brokenness. If you want to take God's way out of the brokenness, if you want to respond to that, if you let us know on your connection card, on that next step, we'll follow up with you. And we would love to help you take some initial steps if you're ready to make that decision. You can always talk to one of our uh, pastors in the back. Our staff will be at the guest and info table and we'd love to, to visit with you. Another thing here is to set 
my mind on heaven and not on blank. Maybe there's something here and now on earth that is capturing your attention and really robbing you of some things and leaving you empty, leaving you frustrated. I'd encourage you to examine that, evaluate that. Last thing is just, we would love to just see you again as we, as we work through this series. So, let's pray and, and then we'll sing. Father, again, we just, we thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for these verses that lead us to desire you more. Thank you for the perspective that this shapes in our own life here and now that this life is not heaven this life we've got to walk by faith trusting you but the choices we make the decisions we make the way we live it's, it's certainly connected to what we, we will experience there and so God help us to not lose sight of that for those that are here that are still sorting this area out Lord I pray that as you as they sense that you're tugging on their lives and you're you're calling them to yourself, Lord, I pray that they would be at a point where they respond to you. And that they, they have a clear understanding of what that really means. So God, I pray that, that you continue to do your work in people's hearts here, God. We just thank you for the, the ways that you're, um, you're challenging us to grow this new year. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.